Hello, welcome to our podcast, Queerful Fears. I am your horror enthusiast, Sydney, a bisexual they-them femme. And I am your scaredy cat, Elsie, a queer trans woman. This is a queer-centered podcast exploring different types of horror media. So welcome, and thanks for stopping by. Uh, On this podcast, we talk about all kinds of stuff, about all kinds of things, mostly horror. As someone who grew up loving horror. And somebody who grew up hating it because it's disgusting. Okay. That's a bit dramatic and untrue. Like horror. You're a horror? No. Like horror. Horror is dramatic and untrue. (gasps) Alright, so uh, how have you been? I've had an emotional past week. Yeah. Been a shitty week. Got misgendered after correcting somebody at work. And they still misgendered me after that. Um, Fucking asshole. Yeah, and then had an old man stare at my crotch once he realized I wasn't a cis woman, probably. Um, And also, a new girl started, and she's prettier than me. And that's upsetting, and I hate it. Probably debatable. But, I mean, today was pretty good. My friend came back to work, I hadn't been there for like a week. And then also, I finished two gay books today, and they were tight congratulations thank you we had two queer groups this week i had a lovely time both times personally our first group was just like really chill and i felt like we had a really good conversation yeah and then our second group and there were people like closer to our age there in person than you like usual usual. Yeah. yeah and the second group we all got to just like look at different tarot decks and like play around with them essentially Which I enjoyed. Yeah. I had fun watching people. (laughs) I mean, everyone just kind of pulled cards and looked at them. And then some of them looked up the actual meaning and some of them asked other people what they thought. And I thought that was nice. Very interpretive. So I liked looking at different decks and talking to people about what they thought. It was very casual and we got to sit on the floor. Elsie, unfortunately, was wearing a dress. Yeah. (laughs) A bad week for her. It's chill, though. And what else did it's we not do? It's chill. It's chill. Okay. It's not. Did we do something Thursday? No, we just relaxed. Yeah. Which was tight. And then Friday, we hung out with our friend and got drunk, and Elsie passed out, and that was fun. That makes it sound like I got too drunk and passed out. It, the realism is, after it hits 11, if I have any bit of alcohol in me, like literally a single drop, I'm like, all right, it's nap time. <laughs> You're like, I can't. You can't stay awake even if you didn't have alcohol. So then on Saturday, which was my favorite day this week, I had a really good week. And I felt really happy and way less stressed than I've been feeling. And it was really good for me. But yesterday was Saturday and we went to our local library for the first time ever. And it was really cool. It wasn't like, I don't know that it was anything special. I don't know, I've never really gone to the library regularly anywhere. And that's a mistake on my part. I'm a fool. Because it was delightful. The vibes were nice. They have little events. They have so many different resources, which was so cool. And I just don't, I think most people just think the library has books. Yeah. And I think everyone, if they thought about it, does know that that's not all they have. But you forget. So we went in there, and we were able to rent everything everywhere all at once for free. Yeah. When that's, like, a brand new movie being out on, like, 
physical media. Yeah. We've been wanting to watch it. Like, if we tried to rent it at home or watch it at home, like, it would have been a lot of money. And we got to take it home for free and watch it. And I really, really liked it. And I was really so excited that they had, like, brand new movies there to just take out and borrow for free. The communal stuff that, like, gives, like, benefits people for, like, no one to gain anything from it besides just sharing. A circular economy. It's just so nice. Benefits everyone. Hurts no one. It's so nice. It's so delightful. And it just makes me feel really good. So that was super cool. And then I bought a movie um, because they had a little corner that where they had stuff for sale and they were marked with stickers. But it was literally from 25 cents to, I don't know, was the highest thing $5? Four. Yeah, I didn't even think it hit $5. So I bought Muppets Take Manhattan for 50 cents. Buying a movie for 50 cents without having to go scour yard sales, which I think is the only other way you would ever buy a movie for 50 cents, is just, it feels great. Yeah. (laughs) It feels so good. It's so delightful. And they had some other decent movies in that area. Mm -hmm. But I wanted a Muppet movie. And they had books for sale for like 25 cents. So cool. And then you can bring your own books. And so it's that circular economy thing. So just communal resources, going and supporting them and everything. And uh, it's so nice. And I'm so glad we're doing more of it. So I had a lovely time at the library. We looked around for a while. And then we went to this event that happens in our area yearly. A local festival. Yeah. It's a festival... Or block party. I've never, like, been to another festival that is the same thing. I'm sure other places have them. Yeah. It's just so specific. It's called Music Fest. But it's it's not a music festival the way that those really fucking expensive ones are with, where you just, you have to figure it out and go to the shows and stuff. It's more like they have three bands that you can pay a lot of money to see or you can just walk around for food vendors and stuff. Yeah, it's like you just go to this certain area of this nearby city and you walk around the same area every year. And it's down the main street of that city where there's a bunch of shops that are open. Some of them aren't. Some of them have like vendors set up inside of their locations to get you in the door. And it's just really cool. So we went into this thrift store that's located on Main Street and this candy shop that's located there that was new or new since the last time we were there, which was probably last year at Music Fest. Mm -hmm. Um, That specific street. We've been in the city, though. And because that's where all our vegan spots are. Yeah. Yeah. And not all of those were like open right now or they have stands at the festival instead. But, yeah, you don't have to pay to get in. You just walk off the street. You go. Like, there's a certain area that has where you can't drive that's set up. And there's all kinds of people just, like, playing music or performances or whatever. And it's just there's a bunch of area to walk around. And then off of Main Street, there's fields that are normally down to the side. And that has vendors, artists. The salsa guys there every year, the candle makers there every year, a couple different artists are there every year, people who sell jewelry, people who sell ceramics, whatever. Like, you name it. And they got the lemonade stands, the corn stands, all these foods, and then there's like a bouncy house you could go over and look at, and then there was, there's like a historical 
blacksmith mm-hmm. building. And so we got to go in there and they had this guy, this poor man. I don't think this poor man. I bet he's so fucking into it. No, he clearly likes doing the blacksmithing. I'm saying because there is no AC and there is a heat wave. Yeah. So it's still, and he's wearing certain like. Colonial clothing. Yeah, which cover, and also covering more of him because he is blacksmithing. So Mm -hmm. and he's just like covered in soot. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. He's obviously like this personable dude that he's there kind of talking to people as they come in and out of this building. And then he was just like making butter knives. With bottle openers on them. Yeah. It was really neat. There's hooks. They had all kinds of things for sale that I guess he and probably a few other blacksmiths had made. Yeah. I hope he's not the only one that's just constantly there the whole time. Yeah. We learned a little history and it was cool. And then on our way back, I stood by the building because it's all stone and very pretty with like ivy growing on it. And oh, yeah. I was taking, I was having Elsie take photos of me in my outfit. And this dude, I guess he was probably going on break or something. He ran over and I saw out of my periphery and I was like, oh, someone's just going to walk right in front of the camera right now while I'm doing this video. And then he posed next to me and I realized it was him. And then I was like, whoa. And we posed. <laughs> and he definitely thought it was for a photo. But it was just this, this video really clip. Cute. It's kind of cute. And then he walked away. I guarantee you, he just like did not want to have to go around you. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm just going to pose real quick. Because he's probably so tired and mm-hmm. sweaty. He's like, I'll just stop and pose quick. And then that'll let me just cut right right through the grass. Yeah. Respectable. Yeah. Really dope time, though. We bought a salsa this year. Pickleback salsa. Yeah. Tastes like pickles. Really good. Yeah. There's other vendors, too. We didn't go in that area. But it's just, like, local businesses, too, promoting stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Or bigger businesses, too. Not local, necessarily. Yeah. Like, energy companies. Yeah. And, like, sometimes there's a truck there for PS4s. You know how it'd be. The ones giving out free stuff are big companies. The ones that you buy stuff from are local vendors. Local businesses, yeah. Well, that energy company, when you signed up with them, they gave you a cactus that one year. Yeah. Or they give you tickets for beer. Yeah. Like I said, companies give you. Oh, they were a local energy company. Mm Mm-hmm. Still an energy company, though. Yeah. Anyway, that was cool. I had a good time, and then we came home. Well, no, then we went grocery shopping, and then we came home. Our one-eyed boy's doing well. He got a stroller. That's what we did Thursday night. We walked Gizmo in his brand-new stroller. Yeah. He's so cute. He loves it. I got a bunch of videos. Adorable. And I also got the Kimchi Trixie Mattel makeup collab from Kimchi Cosmetics in the mail this week. So, as I said... Really good week for me. And we went in a witchy shop. I'm glad it was a good week for you. Thanks. That makes me happy. I bought a moonstone. I bought I bought a little spiral thing that you can, you know, switch out stones in with the pure intention of just putting D&D dice in it, like a D20 or something. I'm excited for you to do that. I want to see it. I don't know if I have an extra chain anywhere I was going to say. I could probably find one. I might have one somewhere. And I got earrings from the thrift store. And a ring. And you got a little frog ring. Yeah. Very cute. Yeah. A delightful day. And then I watched that movie. We watched everything everywhere all at once. And I ate a lot of chips and ice cream. 
and a big fat burger. Hmm. That was from... Not a burger. Yeah, not a burger. Um, yeah. I guess oh my god, it's like a genderqueer burger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like fucking... Janet from uh, Good Place. Yeah. I heard that audio the other day. Specifically yeah. referencing non-binary people. And I was like, mm, so cool. Not a girl. <laughs> not a girl. And today's Sunday. I went and... I went around in nature today. There's like... Ugh, I'm so pissed. There was like definitely more land to explore, but then there was a big prominent no trespassing sign. You were gone for a while. It was hot out. I expect... I fully expected you. I was in the trees by water, though. That's true. That's true. But honestly, I expected it to be like 20 minutes. And then after like an hour and a half, I was like, do I have to send out a search party? Are you okay? It was literally fine. There's like a tiny bit of woods... That I don't think I'll get in trouble going into until I hit those no trespassing signs. And there's another sign that's like, it's video monitoring. And I'm like, where? Up in the crevice of a tree? I can't find where that is, but I'm like, I, I'm not going to test it, I guess. Because there were several no trespassing. What? I mean, trail cams are normally well hidden. They're designed to look like a part of a tree. Really? Yes. Cool. Yeah. I'd like to find it. <laughs> Just to say I did. I saw the biggest frog. That I've ever seen out in the wild. He was a papa. Really nice though. Well, there's like purple spray paint all like there's so many markings of it all the way up. What looks like it's going to be a trail because it's, you know, private property. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but it's so like well marked. Just let me go up that trail. And there's a highway right there. So I'm not really sure where that's going that it's private property, but somewhere. Ugh, I love just wandering into wooded areas that are not supposed to be. There isn't a lot of room for me to explore where I can easily move through. I mean, considering the state we live in, though, it's more than most people. Yeah, probably. I've, yeah, I've usually had somewhere to find Yeah. growing up. I thought about that. It'd be so weird to grow up in a state where you're just not constantly surrounded by woods wherever you are. That'd be weird. Is that like where deserts are? Or just like mid... Or, like, the middle states where it's not even just deserts, it's just, like, plains. Like, no hills. Yeah. No I trees. heard this thing. You know how Running Up That Hill yeah. is popular now? I was listening to the radio, and they were like, yeah, there was this interview with Kate Bush. And Wait, like, was that real? I don't know. They were saying it on the radio, but I didn't catch the whole thing, though. Where she said she's never seen a hill. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, no. Yeah, so it was more to it than that. But in the interview I, that this radio host was talking about, they were like, yeah. And he asked, he was like, is it true that you've never seen a hill? And she's like, I'm tired of these hill questions. <laughs> she's like, no. And he's like, you could just look outside and see one. She's like, I won't be doing that. <laughs> she's like carry on no more hill questions and i was just like incredible you whenever somebody brings up that you haven't seen forrest gump and i was like i won't be doing that move on oh i mean i will no yeah i don't think you should watch it at this point <laughs> i i've learned more about it yeah um anyway yeah that's my story but i'm learning to forage which is really exciting mm-hmm. been finding berries there's like a lot of food that just grows in northern Pennsylvania. Yeah. Really neat. It's the basic stuff, like something kind of looks like it'll be a fruit, and I take a picture of it on my little app, and then I find out if it's edible. And I found honeysuckle. That's because I learned about that by the crick as a kid. Mm. I had homemade crunch wraps. They slapped. Good. Thank you for the dinner. 
Oh, no problem. Thanks for making that queso. Oh, I love that queso, so it's fine. It just, like, feels good to do more homemade stuff. Yeah. No, absolutely. Even if most of it's processed. There's still something there. Like, uh, oh, yeah, at the one group, someone was like, do you want a tomato? So they gave me this fat tomato. Mm-hmm. And neither of us really like tomatoes, so I made homemade salsa mm-hmm. with this big tomato and some cherry tomatoes that we, like, weren't eating. And so I was able to use some of the food that would have gone bad, and mm-hmm. I, I, I liked the homemade salsa. I liked it. I just personally don't like homemade salsas. I liked it as much as I could for not being jarred garbage. Incorrect. Anyway, I'm just incredible. Yeah, the, I really can't believe how good it tasted on your first try. The the housewifery hmm. that I can achieve mm-hmm. without even being a lady. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Get on the oven. I made you dinner today. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Today, we will be discussing Final Destination. Bum bum. Spoilers ahead. Thank you. So, Final Destination is a film that came out in the year 2000. <gasps> Whoa. Just before 9-11. A new, okay. <laughs> a new millennia. Not just before. The year before. Well, not 2002. It's 2001. Hmm. It's interesting to think about how, like, that's such a big deal, obviously, but it is so prevalent in the States, and I'm just curious. I would assume it's not at all like that, like, acknowledged as a holiday at all in any anywhere else. No. It didn't happen there. Everywhere has their own tragedies. Mm-hmm. I just, obviously, uh, it wouldn't be as pertinent in other places, but it's just interesting because, like, a film anyone anywhere can watch. But me watching this movie, I'm like, very clearly before 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> Just in the way that things are executed as compared to how a film would handle that now. Yeah. Or even a couple years after this came out. Entertainment is also very centralized to America, though. So most countries probably do recognize 9-11 as like a thing like that they commonly... Is most media? Yeah. Most popular media is produced in Hollywood. Oh, Okay. Well, just because I know that there are plenty of I'm sure plenty of media made in other parts of the world. There is. It's in not in other languages. Yeah, it is not nearly as popular or Wild. worldwide. Yeah. Anyway, directed by James Wong, he wrote for the X Files, did the 2006 Black Christmas remake, and the live <gasps> action, the live action Dragon Ball Z. What? <laughs> And he was an executive producer on American Horror Story. The live-action Dragon Ball movie? It was so out of place with the rest of it. Was, was that like the thing the... that when you saw it, I was like, what? And you're like, you'll find out. I, what? There was something you lo- you were looking at on Wikipedia and you went, <gasps> and I was like, what? And you're like, oh, you'll find out. <laughs> it might have been it. I don't remember. Oh, God. I need to watch the live-action Dragon Ball movie. I've seen the live-action Mortal Kombat movie. Ew, you have? Okay. Anyway, it was written by Wong, Glenn Morgan, who was a partner of Wong very often on like a lot of work. So he most likely worked on a couple of those other things I already mentioned and also worked on the reboot of The Twilight Zone with a, that was made by Jordan Peele, which I have not seen. And then Jeffrey Redrick, Red, sorry, Reddick, who actually wrote the original, like the original, original idea for this movie. And then it was added onto and shaped by them, the other two as well, when they came on for the project. 
Mm. But they all work together, I guess, in the end. Mm. So we chose this movie because uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. And there's that nostalgia of a early 2000s horror movie. I mean, this was popular horror. enough and like... I don't want to say tame enough, but I feel like it was the horror movie that when I was, like, flipping through TV, it was the one I would most commonly see. It was on see. TV all the time with just, like, the really nasty stuff cut out. Yeah. I remember watching it on TV. Yeah, same. Because, that's the other thing I wrote, I grew up, I grew up watching the Final Destination movies. And this first one is, of course, a classic because it's created this huge franchise at this point. Yeah. And I've seen all of them. It's wild how... The term of Final Destination and the implications of it have such an impact, but I feel like the Final Destination movies as a piece of media barely exist in the pop culture at large. You know, that's... that's Like, if you mention Final Destination, people know what you're talking about, but, like, who's bringing up Final Destination? And nobody cares about it. That's what I meant by... but But who's bringing it up is what I was saying. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm bringing it up, though, because I love her. It's so fitting for, like, the age group we're in to yeah. talk about Final Destination. I The third one is really what, because that came out when I was old enough that my dad, like, rented that one at Blockbuster, and we watched it together. Mm-hmm. Questionable choice, but we did. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. The first and second one were, like, on a lot on TV, and I just... I have this is just these vague memories of like Tony Todd being ominous <laughs> and yeah. uh, the very like chopped up death scenes where they're not showing the gorier stuff. <laughs> like I remember in this one, the where his head gets chopped off. Oh, yeah. Like they don't show the slicing and it falling the top bit. They just show it flying at him and then them freaking out. And I remember being like, what happened? <laughs> What what did it do to him? Because I wanted to know. And they were like, I think my parents were just kind of like, dropped his head off. And I was like, whoa. That was wild. <laughs> whoa. Crazy. All right. I'm going to tell you about what happens in this movie. In my, in my own words. We get our main character. His name is what? I was just going to say that he sucks. Well, he doesn't suck that much, actually. Calm down. We get our main character, Alex Packin. Oh my god. It's a stupid name. Oh, I'm sorry. He is played by Devin Sawa, who was the human version of Casper and Casper. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Stan in the music video for Stan. Oh shit. And apparently he's in CSL Punk, which we have not watched yet, but that's the one with Matthew Lillard. CLC Punk? What did I say? CSL. Computer Science <laughs> Language. No. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Plasma Center, SLC Punk, with an exclamation point. Anyway, there's a school trip happening to France, uh, Flight 180, and he's getting ready to go. As they're at the airport, there are a lot of weird coincidences that keep happening. And he's clearly close with these two brothers, George and Todd Wagner. They're dicking around. He's... Alex is clearly super nervous, though, to get on this plane. A vibe? Relatable. And his friend comes up to him and he's like, Hey, buddy, you want a shit? <laughs> I love that part. I think uh, 
Yeah, and then it's weird coincidences, like, I don't know, he's looking over at the the flight thing where the flights keep changing, and it's, like, look, it's going really quickly. I don't know if that was, like, being funky. I've been in an airport twice a long time ago. I don't know. And I think she, the French lady says something to him, and then it's it's mostly the, what's his name? John Denver? Oh, yeah, John Playing Denver. in the bathroom, after, like, not too long after he died from a plane crash or something. There were more coincidences. It was weird. He was freaked out. Then, on the plane, there's all this stuff going on. He's just trying to not freak out. Uh, oh, also, George and Todd, I... I'll come back to that. Oh, wow, I did not realize he had died, like, three years prior to this movie coming out. That's why I think they said it was recent in the movie. That's a bit insensitive, in my opinion. I'll get to that. But also, maybe. I guess that's up to how everyone else feels. Uh, Anyway. Essentially, he's on the plane. It takes off. He's nervous. Some other shit happens. People are talking, whatever. And then the plane starts to get funky and turbulent. And the air masks fall. And then the plane explodes. Yeah. Yeah, everybody dies. Yeah, and it's like a graphic showing of it because it's a horror movie. And in some ways a slasher. So then all of a sudden he's waking up, coming, snapping back to reality, sweating profusely. Back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Anyway, and these girls are still trying to speak to him about switching seats or whatever and he's like oh my god and then he's going he's freaking out he does something that happens in the premonition and that happens in the current time so he's like it was real i'm getting the fuck off of here and i don't he kind of flips out and he's like the plane's gonna blow up which is why how i know it is pre-9-11 yeah because they don't like tackle him to the ground and drag him off the plane yeah. He has to be like, I'm getting off the plane. And they're like, all right, buddy, you could just calm down. And he's like, no. And then as he's freaking out, George tells Todd to go check on him. And then the the teachers get up, whoever, two of the two of the chaperones for this trip get up. One of them's clearly the French teacher. And they're like trying to calm him down and talk to the people who work there on the plane. And uh, this asshole gets up one of the other students and is like giving alex a hard time and Mm -hmm. is like freaking out on him and then his girlfriend gets up this other guy's coming out of the bathroom he gets caught up in the shuffle and poor billy it is everyone oh and then yeah they all kind of get pushed off the plane and they're like all right we gotta go we're getting off and then this other character this young woman she's like looking around and she's clearly thinking and then she gets off too after the drama so they're back in the airport. They're like, what do you mean? Why would you say that? None of you are allowed back on. And then the lady teacher is like, no, we got 40 students on there. We need to be on there. And they're like, one of you can go back on. So then the French guy goes on, or the French teacher. And then they're all sitting in this airport, I guess, trying to figure out, like giving Alex a hard time and trying to figure out what they're going to do now. Yeah. And the plane explodes. And that, the one guy who, he's like, I was just in the bathroom. He's standing there watching it take off and it explodes. And then they're like all really freaked out, obviously, because that's incredibly tragic. And also 
Alex knew that was going to happen. So, we have our survivors. Alex, Clear, Todd, Billy, Carter, Valerie, and Terry. Clear is basically the other main character. She is played by Allie Larder. Uh, She is from the House on Haunted Hill, Legally Blonde. I feel like that's a really iconic role. She's like the instructor who is being accused of murdering her husband. Oh my god, yeah. Mm -hmm, That's her. Um, Just a little bit older. And the Resident Evil movies, she's like the main protagonist in those. Mm -hmm. And then she's in the movie Obsessed. Do you remember the movie Obsessed? No. Because I don't know who does, but I want to talk about it because I remember. There was a movie called Obsessed that starred her, Idris Elba, that's how you say his name, right? Yes. And Beyonce. Oh, you and know what? And Beyonce I and Idris Elba are married. And then, I don't know, but then she starts coming on to him, but being like a stalker about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the movie. And then in the end, Beyonce like fights her in their beautiful home. And it's, I don't, like I watched it and it just really stuck with me forever for no reason. Then the character Carter Horton is played by Care Smith. He was a reoccurring character on Dawson's Creek, Charmed, The Fosters, he was in My Bloody Valentine, 3D, he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he was on Riverdale. What does this fucker look like now? He's Mr. Honey in that, like, two seasons ago on Riverdale, which is so funny, because that's, like, a full-on grown adult teacher. Like, he still looks like him. I just, like, wouldn't have put two and two together. How does he have a baby face and gray hair? I don't know. It's so interesting. Who is he? Cruel Intentions 3? Who is he in what? Um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have no idea. Moving on. Valerie Luton is the teacher who stayed behind. She is played by Kristen Cloak, and she is the wife of Glenn Morgan, one of the people who wrote this Mm. and she's typically in his stuff and that's the one who's partnered with wong so she was in like black christmas Mm -hmm. and a couple other things and then todd the good friend of alex todd wagner is played by chad e donella and i didn't really i didn't recognize him at all or from anything but apparently he was in saw 3d oh i never saw that and then terry cheney is the girlfriend of carter and she's played by amanda detmer and I remember looking, and she hasn't been in that much. And then Billy Hitchcock was the random bathroom boy. And he's played by Sean William Scott, who is, like, one of the main characters in the American Pie movies. Yeah, and he's also, like, God, what was He wasn't Schindler. It was Schitzel. I haven't watched. Like I never watched those. Oh. I really wanted to watch ones like Naked Mile and stuff when I was a kid, because I was like... Yeah, I would jack off to scenes from that that were on MTV when I was growing up. Incredible. Yeah. And he was in the Dukes of Hazard movie that had, like, uh, um, Jessica Simpson in it. Yeah. No, brought I remember up that. from time to time. He's been in a couple other things, too. Stifler. That was his name. Just a sweet little idiot, huh? Well, he is not a sweet little idiot in American Pie. Oh, he's not? No, he's a piece of shit. But he fucks Jennifer Coolidge. Wow. Good for him. Because he calls her a MILF, and that, that's when the word MILF, that, I believe that's when the word MILF became popular. Iconic. Mm-hmm. So those are our survivors and who plays them. Then they get questioned by the FBI. I'll tell you about them now. <laughs> There's Agent Ween, <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Wiener, and Agent Shrek. Agent Ween 
is played by Daniel Roebuck, who is Bethlehem born. Oh, shit. Yeah. He was on Lost. He was in Rob Zombie's Halloween. He was on Glee. And he was in a couple different Disney things. Hmm. He was either the dad of that quarterback kid who ended up being gay, or he was the... What? That's depressing. Oh, yeah. Or he was the abusive boyfriend to the football coach. So, regardless, he was a piece of shit. Um, I just... There's probably some other roles he might have been in, but those are the ones that I think he did. Okay. You can look it up. No, it's fine. Roger Gunvir Smith. Uh, I just said, I don't know. I think I tried looking and there like, wasn't really a lot listed that I recognized at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's wild. Because mm-hmm. I really liked his fucking character. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. He's also like, besides Tony Todd, the only black guy in the movie. Yeah. So, back to the story. There's clearly a lot of survivor's guilt happening and just anger and resentment. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, of course, as with any good atmosphere in a horror or a mystery or whatever, it just it's raining now. Yeah. It's raining. It's There's storming. no more sunshine. Claire's parents, like, no one's there to pick her up. The rest of the parents flood in. They're all very worried about their children. And then Alex's family gives Claire a ride home. And then we jump 39 days into the future. There is a school memorial type of thing happening, and they're unveiling, like, a, an actual, like, statue with names on it of a memorial. And an eagle. A flying eagle. Which... Which is an interesting choice. Yeah. It's certainly a, a choice was made. I guess it's symbolic? I don't know. Carter's still a weird asshole. His whole character is just wanting to fight Alex whenever he sees him. Yeah, he's like... Even before the premonition. He's like, I hope you know, just because you saved my fucking life, I don't I don't owe you shit. In fact, I'm probably gonna kill you. Yeah. I mean, kiss you. No, I mean, kill you. <laughs> it's clearly homo-repressed feelings. You know what? Yeah. Probably. Anyway, Billy's a himbo, Billy Hitchcock, and he is like... Can you tell me more about my future? He's like, get the fuck out of my face. Then, you know, the rest, everyone else just kind of ostracizes Alex, including the teacher. She's like, get away from me. You scare the shit out of me. And like, storms off. Uh, Uh, Claire doesn't ostracize him. I'm not there yet. Okay. Well, you said everyone else ostracizes him. So that includes Claire. I said basically everyone else. Okay. Thanks. And I don't think Claire's really reached out either. She reaches out to him at the... At the memorial. Yeah. It has been 39 days, though. So from that point, no one has really been in contact with him. Because they're freaked out by him. Okay. Anyway. I don't remember what this means. The tits? No, the gone crazy conspiracy theory route. Oh, we are back. We're just with Alex now. Right. We're back. Alex is in his room. And I'm saying, clearly, like, mostly ostracized. And he has, like, papers and books and, like, you know, red string everywhere that very, like, lost it a little bit trying to figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. There's, like, all these books on aerospace engineering. Like, I don't know. Not aerospace. Where is that? No. I don't know. That's for spaceships, isn't it? Yeah. 
Aeroplanes. Aeroplanes. What is the tits? He went on the internet and saw tits, right? No. He got, he was trying to distract himself. He's like, I'm going crazy with this conspiracy shit. And then he pulled out a... Uh, it was either Hustler or Playboy. <gasps> yeah, it was a full-on magazine. I think it was Sports Illustrated. No, because... I think it was Playboy. Sport, Sports Illustrated doesn't have tits in it. No, it has sexy ladies. It does, but there was There nipple. were tits. Yeah, there, there was... There were tits, and he was gonna, you know... There was female presenting nipples. You know, he was gonna do a little skadoodle. <laughs> Please don't ever call it that again. Also, at the memorial, like I said, with it being ostracized thing, like his good friend Todd. At this point, his parents are kind of keeping him from even having contact with him because they're like, I don't know. They're like, I guess they're also freaked out because their son died, and Alex like kind of knew about it, and only one of their kids lived. Mm-hmm. So that I guess they blame him to some extent. Then we get a shot of Todd at his house, and we get the iconic Rue Goldberg of death. Yeah, the first one. The first one of this whole big fat giant franchise that has basically become known for these crazy scenes. Yeah. And this dude's is, it's it's a lot more chill than some of the later installments, but it's still pretty wild. It's, this one's up there for the most bullshit <laughs> at least in in that uh, yeah i don't know i really can't think of any other ones where i'm like there's no way this would actually kill somebody they would figure a way out of this that's valid because i was just yelling at him the whole time through the tv where i was like just put like put your leg up on the ledge of the tub start trying to get traction on top of shampoo yeah like, there's a ledge you can step over. And I hope you have a bath mat. Like, what? Pull the curtain down. I'm so confused. Yeah. I don't know if he can reach the curtain. But just, like, he's trying to reach for scissors that are, like, clearly too far away. I don't know. There was just several moments where I felt he could have done more. Yeah. But essentially, it's clear other forces are somewhat at work because this water drips out of from the toilet yeah. thing. And creates this huge puddle that he doesn't notice. And then he trips. And also, I'd like to say that I've never seen one of those dryer lines for a shower besides at, like, a hotel. Mm-hmm. And even that has been, like, once or twice. You know what? Probably became less popular after this movie. They would still be in houses. Yeah, but I'm saying less people were adding them to their houses, so it would be less common for you to see. Or, honestly, paranoid people would remove them from their houses. My main issue is that there's already a bar there to hang stuff over yeah. that your fucking curtain is on. Yeah. Why would you also need a dryer line? I guess for more stuff. Yeah. But most people are just hanging up like a wet bathing suit. I don't know, there were bras hanging in there. I, they probably didn't have a drying machine. They weren't extremely common yet. In the 2000s? I don't know. I had one. Yeah, I guess I had one too. But not everyone had them. Now they were rich. They would have had one. Yeah, that was like a full-on house. Yeah. I'm sure they had one. You're right. Everything else in that scene made sense except for them having that dryer line. I'm just saying I'm, it's another thing I want to point out. Mm-hmm. He's strangled though. It's a little bit graphic. And then the, the water gets slurped back up. Yeah, just. Into the, <laughs> into the tube. Yeah. The, what are those called? The pipe. Toilet. The pipe. Pipe toilet. The pipe. Toilet. But because he was, like, hung by a dryer line, 
even though there was clearly a struggle, <laughs> they decided it was suicide. Yeah. But while this is happening, we're cutting between scenes. So while Alex is at home jacking it off, all of a sudden he throws his magazine for some reason and he gets sucked into the back of the fan and chopped up. Yeah. Which is also unrealistic. And then a little piece of paper floats down onto his lap that says Todd on it. Mm-hmm. So there's still this weird intervention happening that's trying to give him this forewarning and this like foresight, I guess. So he goes to Todd's house trying to save him. And when he gets there, the body's being taken out on a stretcher and the family's just like, fuck you, stay away from us. And then Clear's there too. So then he goes and has a conversation with Clear. And she's like, listen, Alex, I'm an empath. (laughs) And I don't even remember what she said, but I just know that essentially that was the conversation for whatever reason. Yeah. She could, like, feel what he was feeling on the flight. Oh, yeah, that is what she said. Was that also when she explained that she basically doesn't have a family and she lives there alone? Maybe. I don't remember. No, I think that's later. She, they they talk about these feelings and it's feeling like something's closing in on them and... They need to figure out what's going on. So then they decide for some reason that they're going to break into a morgue to look at Todd's body. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. So they do that. And they don't... Well, they do see his body laying there. But then all of a sudden, Tony Todd enters. He has a name. I just wrote Tony Todd. The coroner. That's not what he's called. Really? No, he's the mortician. Mortician. He works at a morgue. That's a mortician. A coroner is when... They're looking at, like, home. Yeah. And so they just decided it was a suicide. Anyway, William Bloodworth, which they don't say in this movie, but that is his character's name, is who Tony Todd plays. And, of course, we've talked about Tony Todd before. He is in Candyman and quite a few other things, but very notably in the horror community, Candyman. They have this conversation with Tony Todd, who's acting incredibly creepy, of course. And so he's just like, you can't cheat death. Does he just, like, laugh them out of the room, too? I think so. <laughs> also, he says it's clear that this was not a suicide. Look at the hands. He was struggling. Like, if this mortician can catch it, what the fuck was the coroner doing? I don't know that he went to a coroner yet. He was taken that. away in a coroner van. What's a coroner van? I don't know. It was a big blue van that said coroner on the side oh, of it. Oh, it did? Yeah. I don't know how all that works. That's a, That's not what he was saying. He said... That he struggled. And they were like, oh, so it wasn't a suicide. And he's like, we all do different things in those moments leading up to death. Like, he was kind of cryptic. Mm. But also plenty of people regretted in that moment. Or struggled because that's instinct. Yeah. Anyway. Death's design. Can you cheat it? No, it's going to catch up to you. And they're like, no, we're going to go cheat death. And then essentially Tony Todd's like, he's not going to like that. (laughs) So then, I don't know, they're all out and about, and then all of a sudden, Carter sees Alex out somewhere, and then he's like, I have to create an issue with traffic for some reason, and freak out my girlfriend. And everyone's there all of a sudden. I think he was already with Clear. Yeah. Or she was walking out. But then the teacher walks out of a shop, and when Carter turns around in the car, he's already with his girlfriend, and they cut off Billy on his bike, Mm -hmm. who's just still being an absolute himbo. And I think that's everyone. So then there's this kind of argument that breaks out and Carter just wants to fight Alex 
And I forget what else he says, but essentially the girlfriend's fed up. She's like, I'm sick of you being obsessed with this shit. I want to move on. She's like, we're going to get out of here. School's going to start soon or whatever. Because then they graduate. Yeah. And as she's backing into the street, she's like, if you don't like that, you can drop dead. And then she gets hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. Which. Iconic. Alex did get a vision of before it happened. He like saw it in a reflection. Yeah. When there was no bus. Yeah. But yeah. After this, Alex has this realization that death follows the order that they would have died in the ways that they are now dying off. So he does this whole seating chart, etc. This poor teacher, we get a clip of her in this home that she's clearly packing up. She's on the phone with someone. She's very upset. And she's just crying. She's like, I can't live here anymore, but I lived here my whole life and I don't want to leave, but I cannot stay here. She's like, every time I close my eyes or anything I look at reminds me of that day and this tragedy and that I told that other teacher to get on the plane instead of me. So this like, of course, immense guilt. Then Alex is like creeping around outside of her house. (laughs) Touching her tires and shit. Yeah, so trying to make sure that she doesn't die next. But of course, she's just fucking freaked out. So then she calls the FBI number, I guess, that they all have. And it's like, he's out there. He's freaking me the fuck out. So I think they kind of come and take him away. Yeah. And then we continue to watch her packing. And she goes to get some hot tea. But then she decides she doesn't want it. So she dumps it and she pours like frozen vodka. It's not frozen, but vodka from the freezer. Which causes the mug to crack. Also. But only cracks slightly. (laughs) It's really, it's stupid. And doesn't make sense. And uh, also she goes to put on a record. She's like, dad's favorite. And it's, of course, John Denver. Mm -hmm. And while this is going on, Alex is being questioned by the FBI. And they're like, these people keep dying. And you're saying you know they're going to die. And he's like, only one way someone knows people are going to die. And that's if they're the one killing them. Which, yeah, that makes sense from from a criminal perspective. Then we get, like, the most Rube Goldberg-y bullshit out of the whole movie. Like, this whole scene. And, what? I don't know if I'd call it Rube Goldberg. Because it's just her getting killed a hundred different ways. No. It's like one thing leads to another and another. Kind of. It's just, like, really driving me out. Because the mug cracks. So then vodka's leaking. Then she leans over her computer and drips a bunch of vodka into it. Then she goes into the kitchen. As a fire is, like, starting. And, oh, no, no, no. It just starts smoking right away. Yeah. It is kind of like one thing after another, a chain reaction. Because then the computer literally blows up in her face. And, like... Because for some reason, she sees it smoking and gets her face right up in it instead of going and unplugging it. Which, an interesting choice. What is is a shard of glass in her throat? Yeah. Yeah. And she, like, pulls it out, I think. Mm -hmm. So she's bleeding. She's trying to hold the blood in. And then she goes into the kitchen and she slips and falls on that original trail of vodka. Yeah. And then the fire is like trailing in on the trail of vodka that dripped from the mug so perfectly. And obviously the implication is that there are other forces causing these things to happen so perfectly. So I guess that allows for room for it to be quite ridiculous. But... She tries to grab a rag while she's laying on the floor, but it's on top of knives, so then a knife falls and right into her chest, 
And then Alex shows up because he was released. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to help her. But then in that moment, something triggers something and a chair falls on her and presses the knife in farther. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I think I have to get out of here. But he leaves like shoe prints in the blood and fingerprints on the knife because he pulled it out of her chest. Mm-hmm. And then as he walks out, the house explodes. And Billy just happens to be riding by on his bike. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> And then Alex runs away from Billy. Yeah, Alex runs away because that's wild. So then Clear calls for Carter and Billy to meet her at the memorial. And she's like, the FBI is watching me. I need you guys to take me to see Alex. I don't know why. But they were already following her. Whatever. Yeah. So some of these some of these things, there's a lot of scene jumping and it doesn't all quite line up. No, it does not. So... She finds him on a beach randomly, and then she talks about losing her dad at 10 years old due to, like, a car crash, and how her mom sucks and didn't want a kid anymore, and that's why she's on her own. Mm -hmm. That's when she says all that. Then they're in the car again, all letting Carter drive for some reason, even though he's clearly a sociopath, and he becomes suicidal. Yeah. During whatever conversation they're having about the order of things and cheating death and all this stuff. Well, he realizes that he's next. He thinks he's next. No, yeah. he, is, he is. He is next. No one confirms it, though. Yeah. But because of the silence, he assumes he's next. And Alex is like, doesn't matter. We're all gonna die. And then he's driving like a maniac. Then he stops on train tracks. And he sits in the car. The rest of them get out. And they're like... What the fuck, man? Get out of the car. Don't do this. And he's like, no, I'm going to do this. Fuck this. But then, you know, he's putting on a fucking show, though, too. Because he's like an asshole. And at the last second, he goes to get out of the car. And Mm -hmm. the seatbelt's stuck. And the doors won't unlock or something. He can't open the door. And so Alex comes and is trying to, like, pull on him. And he'd already had a mini premonition that the seatbelt would break. So it works, and they get out of the train's way right at the last second. Mm-hmm. Very tense, very dramatic. They're like, oh my god, we're all still alive. Yeah, and they're like, you were supposed to be next. And then there's a piece of sheet metal under a train, under the train. Yeah. And all of a sudden it flies out from under the train as they're all kind of talking and freaking out but also exhilarated and billy just gets straight up not even full-on decapitated because it goes through the middle of his head oh god yeah and it just kind of flings off and then they all scream i will say that does happen with trains like it is dangerous to be around around a train when there's loose metal underneath it Mm Mm-hmm. that yeah that was very realistic in like ways that people die yeah um with the cars on the tracks too yeah or people being too close to them. Yeah. So. So that's like 50-50 with realistic deaths. Yeah. I think this one, it, it goes between. Yeah. Then he talks about how it would have skipped Carter because Carter was supposed to be next. But it got Billy because essentially, assumedly, because he saved him. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, he's like, oh, can we cheat death by like saving one another and it skips us and then clears like we need to get out of here i think the fbi's coming 
And he's clearly on the run now because someone mentions how his shoe prints were found at the... They were burned into the thing or whatever when it exploded. Yeah, it, like, emulsified them or something was what someone said. Yeah. Then she calls Alex baby. Yeah. No, they're, like, supposedly dating now and we don't... We don't really get the full picture there. Yeah. You said there's, like, a deleted scene? I don't know. I didn't read anything about about it then, but I'm pretty sure I heard that at one point. Mm. So, they leave. Clear says, my dad had a cabin in the forest. And we get this scene of... Alex is there. He's made the cabin into this fortress of boarded up windows and everything's taped and he has a system for everything to try to make it death proof, essentially. But while he's in there, he realizes the order is wrong. You skipped the most important part. Oh, we'll come back to that. Okay. Sorry. He realizes the order is wrong and that clears actually next instead of him, which also didn't make sense. Because he was saying something like, I never switch seats. But... You did in the vision. But he did. So I didn't really understand because he got off the plane before he could agree to switch seats. So I doubt they didn't just sit next to each other when he nor Todd were on the plane. Yeah. The girls that were asking about switching seats so they could sit together. So that didn't really make sense to me. Then we're in the home stretch. He decides he's leaving his fortress because it's not him. He goes to clear. And in this whole thing, it's very chaotic. He's running from the FBI, trying to get to clear to warn her. And she's at home. And this... Is there a storm? Or is it... Why does that line break? I think there's a storm. Like, it's windy. Yeah, it's windy. And this power line breaks and is sparking everywhere. And her dog is alone outside tied to a post for some reason. Which is... In my opinion, bad pet ownership. Yes. You're you're not you are not supposed to just leave your dog outside. You're not supposed to do that. They're domesticated animals. Anyway, there's this is this is like the whole. She just keeps almost getting caught, but yeah. then just finding a way out of the situation because it's just like this thing sparking. She gets the dog away, but then her pool. Floods, it not like floods, it breaks. overflows. Yeah, it breaks because of this pole that goes flying, and that almost gets her. But then there's water everywhere. So then, if the electricity touches that, that would electrocute her if she's standing in the water. And then she climbs up the side of the house, and that almost breaks. It's a whole fucking ordeal. Alex almost drowns in a puddle because a tree <laughs> falls on him, and I'm like, "Turn your head to the side, my guy." He's just going. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, lots of sparkies everywhere. Claire is putting up a fight. Then the car is exploding as well. She gets in the car to try to keep from getting electrocuted. And then Alex shows up and he's like, I'm going to hold this wire. It's not a wire. This cable or whatever. And she's like, no, you'll die. And he holds it and gets flung back and... I don't know, everything stops then. And she she's okay. And the FBI's there. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Then it's six months later. And With, hmm? It's six months later. He's not in jail, even though there's so much evidence for him to be at the murder scene of this woman. And it's never addressed. That's valid. Maybe he got a good lawyer. Hmm. Or they just accepted that he had clairvoyancy. Yeah. Because he also went and saved Claire. Who the fuck knows? 
it's not the most realistic film. <laughs> so, the three of them get off a fucking plane. Which, my ass, you would not have caught my ass on a plane. Yeah. Ten years after that shit. That is so scary. And they've arrived in France. Which I get the, like, yeah, I don't know. Saying you conquered. Yeah, the conquering of the fear, the doing it for everyone who didn't make it type of thing. And, you know, making it to the other side and in honor of them. But, I don't know, it wouldn't have been me. So, they all arrive in France and they're getting off the plane, and we see Clear, and we see Carter, and then, oh, he's alive. Um, which you kind of already said. Alex is alive, and he has bleached his hair. Which is an interesting choice. Yes. And now they all could get along really well. I don't know how that worked out for Carter. Seemed like a real big 180 in character. But they're talking about, you know, they're sitting at, like, a cafe drinking. And they're a throuple now. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, we beat it, like, yay, we're here, to the people who didn't make it, whatever. But then Alex is like, okay, but I have this paper of the seating chart still carrying around, that I'm still carrying around. And the thing is that it skipped here and it skipped here. And they're like, please stop. Like, we don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, I'm going to go back to the hotel because he gets like a weird, I think he sees the bus. Yeah. Or she does. I don't know. He gets those weird vibes again. And he's like, I'm going back to the hotel. And she's like, wait, let me come with you. And he's like, no, don't. Because the way that all ends out ends up working out doesn't really make sense. Because he doesn't die. So why would it skip them? Because that FBI agent did CPR on him when they got there. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I was like, he died for a little bit. <laughs> but then a bus comes and he almost gets got again. But Clear had a vision and stopped it. Yeah, Clear saw the bus and was like, watch out. And then it's like a Ruble Goldberg thing again. And this big old uh, neon light sign thing is swinging. And then he doesn't get hit. And then Carter comes over and he's like, see, I told you everything's okay. And then the sign's swinging back towards him and is about to get him. But then the movie ends. Yeah. Woo! (laughs) What a fucking movie. Yeah, what a fucking movie. So that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Great. So tell me about the history and the inspiration for this. Oh, would you like to hear? Yes. Liar. Yeah, I, I read the Wikipedia page. I did do a little extra information searching this time. Mm-hmm. Bare minimum. But I did it. So, congratulations to me. So, as I said before, Reddick originally wrote this. And then they hopped on to help make it into, like, more of a script for a film. Mm -hmm. So he originally wrote it to pitch as an X-Files episode. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about X-Files. I've also not watched X-Files. It didn't didn't happen, though. Someone encouraged him to write it as a full-length film. Hmm. And then James Wan directing this was his directorial debut. Mm. Also, I don't know if you noticed... Because I wouldn't have. Several of the character names are named after horror icons. Is that why they were such a weird-ass name like Clear? I'm not sure. It was mostly last names. Oh. The main one that I think is most recognizable would be Billy Hitchcock. Oh. Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. They were a lot of more like older producers or directors or whatever. And then essentially they were setting out to write a slasher, but without there being a killer or like an actual entity definable entity yeah besides like this idea of death chasing them down i guess Mm -hmm. but that's also kind of addressing you know this inevitability of death and that's really like the core of it gizmo's drinking 
I've been drinking. Watermelon. Surfboard. What is it? 2016? Is that when that came out? I don't know. Who is that? I feel like I was quoting, no, I was quoting that back in like high school, senior year. It's Beyonce. Okay, that's what I thought. That's Beyonce. I thought, I just wasn't sure. You know what would be wild? When Rihanna puts out an album. If she does. Alright, Gizmo, wrap it up. It's thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. What else is He's doing this up, Spike. Alright, anyway, I'm so sorry. The inevitability of death. I can't, why can't I say that word? The inevitability of death is scary and horrific. Uh, at least for me. Oh, and the, the like, fear of everyday items and moments being able to cause yeah. these reactions or even just kill you in general. Like, yeah. I don't know, a bus or scrap metal. Or your shower drying line. Right, we all have. Yeah. <laughs> so, the one writer, Morgan, he heard John Denver's at an airport while writing this, or right before writing this, right after mm. he had died in the plane crash. So he was like, huh. You know, I mean, they could have been more insensitive about uh, I only knew who John Denver was because he was one of my dad's favorite artists. Specifically, he wrote, I think, my dad's favorite song, which is I'm Leaving it On A Jet Plane. Hmm. My dad was like, yeah, he died in a plane crash. Then I was like, oh. Yeah. No, it wasn't that song that kept playing. <laughs> At least. Uh, the the filming mainly happened on Long Island and Vancouver. Can't Van- Fucking God. And Vancouver. 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 Also, there was something about uh, how before and after the explosion, the, the like color shading was different. Hmm. And so they'd call it, like, or, like, in the premonitions as well. So it was called, like, the skewed sets when it looked more off-kilter to make you uneasy. Mm-hmm. And also, the the scene where it's everyone in the seats on the plane, mm-hmm. that was a model that was an actual moving stage on gimbals. Oh. So those people were being, like, shifted around. Jesus. And, yeah, so there was this quote of, like, someone walking onto set and being like, what have I done? We're going to have 40 extras vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the explosion in the distance was a miniature model that was made for the explosion shot. Okay. So I don't know where we got that it was real footage from. Okay. Well, that's good. That makes me feel better. Yeah. No, it was a miniature model. Also, the blood they used was chocolate syrup. Hmm. Classic. Classic. And the Rube Goldberg for Miss Luton's death, which was like the longest death scene, was the most difficult to plan, which makes sense. Really? What? I don't know. I just, I think it's funny because It has the most things happening. Yeah, but none of it's connected. (laughs) I think just probably planning it out with the shots and everything too. Yeah, Having everything positioned the way it needed to be. I don't know. I guess there was this setup of like... A whole house? yeah. As opposed to just a bathroom. Yeah. There was also some stuff about, like, having to take extra caution with the train scene. And, you know, obviously not having a real sheet metal there to keep the actors safe. That just feels somewhat obvious to me, though. Yeah. And then finally, there was mixed reception. 35% on Rotten Tomatoes currently. uh, But 68% for the audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I think there's a nostalgia and excitement and fun to it that the fact that it isn't actually the greatest movie 
at all, uh, it still holds this special place. Yeah. I not, mean, and I feel that way. Not to be disrespectful, but it's not a good horror movie, let alone movie. That's what I just said. Yeah. 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. That's way too high. I gave it three stars. Yeah, and you're biased. I'm not biased. I just like it for certain reasons that don't have to do with it actually being like a fully realized film. Okay. There, and I think it becomes more clear, <laughs> clear, as <laughs> you watch it as a franchise or know about it after the fact than going in and watching this movie alone. Yeah. As like not knowing anything about Final Destination. I think that'd be a very different experience, whereas... Watching Final Destination films, you go in for the absurdity and to have a good time. Mm -hmm. Well, there is still a bit of a more serious message there, at least in the first one. I do think the first one is like the more developed characters and and stories. And it's actually trying to make you think about mortality and how it can be taken away at any point. Even as kids. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, What would you say your favorite scene was? That's hard. I'd say I do really like the scene of Alex in the cabin. Okay. When he's like proofed everything and then <laughs> and then he fucking finds the little fish hook and he's like, You think you were gonna get me with tetanus, didn't you? <laughs> he's like, Tetanus, good one. And it's like, yeah. It's not like you can go to the hospital and get tetanus shots, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Incredible. Yours? Uh I like the ending. It's, like, the thing I would remember the most when I hadn't seen it for a long time, like, growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, that sign scene. I'm like, that's Final Destination. Yeah. That's Final Destination. I mean, when Just... I think Final Destination, I think Log Truck. That's the second one. I know. When I think Final Destination, I think the third one. But I also think that sign scene because, you know. I feel like that's what I would catch on TV all the time. Yeah, the just ending. the ending. So you'd see that. I'm like, that sign's gonna get him. And I would wonder if that was cut out. Like, it actually hitting him. Because it was made for, you know, it was edited yeah. for TV. But, no. That is just the ending. Kind of leaves you hanging. And then that sets this precedent and this vibe for all of the rest of them to have that same kind of ending. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, shit could fully go down. Or, you know, whatever. Have you seen the rest of them all the way through? Not in entirety, no. I'd really love to watch the rest of them with you because the second one, like, Clear is in the second one. Mm-hmm. And they can at least reference back to the fact that this weird thing happened with the plane. Mm-hmm. And then they do that as well in the third one where they're like, these other incidents have happened, so you having a premonition. But it's like the roller coaster, so it, it's also so ridiculous. That movie also gave me my fear of burning alive. Mm. And I all I can think about when I hear Roller Coaster of Love now is that movie. Mm. Because that's they use a different movie every time. And that's the one for that one. Because they're on a roller coaster for the opening premonition. Mm-hmm. It's not as subtle. Um <laughs> That's that's an ongoing trend. It's less and less subtle, but the last few are just so much fun. There's only two more after that. Fourth and yeah. fifth. Anyway, so I like the ending. I also think the bus part is kind of funny because she just gets hit and then they're just splattered with bu- blood and yeah. in shock. It's so abrupt. 
And then we really don't see how they handle that afterwards. It just cuts. <laughs> yeah. The ending, though, for a favorite scene, because that's not specifically a kill. Yeah. Okay. It's just like most scenes in this movie are a kill. <laughs> Any scene worth memorizing or remembering. Well, you said the cabin. That's a yeah. good one. What was your favorite kill? I know I talked a lot of shit about it. I like the teacher's kill. I just like really? how there's so much to it. It's not really a Ruth Goldberg. It's just there's a hundred things trying to kill her at once. <laughs> she's on fire. She's stabbed in the neck with glass. She's stabbed in the chest with a knife. A chair falls on that knife just to really mm-hmm. drive the point home. Mm, uh-huh. And then it explodes. Yeah. We went over all that. Yeah. I like the decapitation. He's just a silly little himbo the whole movie. And then he's like, it's all right, guys. And then his fucking head, just like half of it. And the when it lands on the ground, like it looks nothing like him. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I also like the one with Todd. Like, I'm talking shit on that. And oh, that's yeah. why like I like that it's so fucking stupid. Yeah. And it's your first one outside of the plane explosion itself. So uh, how scary was it for you? Not scary at all. Okay. Yeah, not not scary as a horror movie. However... I was going to say, some anxiety for planes. <laughs> yeah, I don't like planes. And watching him get himself worked up while getting on that plane is so fucking relatable. Because, fun, fun story time. We went to go to Disney as a family when I was, like, 12. The first time we went as a family, we drove. All, like, you know, most of the way down the East Coast. And... That was fine. And when I was a little older, I think it was like 12, they booked flights so we could get there more quickly and have more time to spend there. And we walked right up to where you step off of that runway thing onto the actual plane. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't... I stopped. I just stopped. And then my dad noticed and stayed there with me. And my mom kept walking with my brother. And they got on... And then I was like, I can't do it. And my dad was like, well, no, blah, blah, blah. And he was trying to comfort me because uh, he w- he's also afraid of planes. He doesn't like getting on them either. And so he was trying to talk to me. And then my mom, you know, realized we weren't with her anymore and came back out. And she was like, what are you doing? Get on the plane. And I was like, no. She was like, you got to get on this plane. I was like, no, I am not. And then I started walking back towards the airport. I just fucking walked away. I never want to have kids. <laughs> I I was I in that moment I was like, no, I'm not getting on this fucking thing. Mm. And I walked away. It's like the air shifts too. It's like, it's so weird getting on a plane. And I was just like, absolutely the fuck not. I'm not doing this. And I walked off. And then they had like the pilot and some of the attendants come out and then they're trying to offer me those wing pins and to come up in the cockpit and I was like I was like the last fucking thing I want to do is go look at the front of this goddamn plane or walk around on it or anything. Mm-hmm. I was like I don't even want to think about getting on it. And I was so just it was I was going to have a panic attack if they tried to make me get on. It was very much this gripping fear that I was like absolutely not. I will not be doing this. And no one was talking me back onto it. And then and then Someone, one of the flight attendants made some comment about telling the people why the flight was delayed. Because they, I I mean, planes sit on the runway all the fucking time, so like, fuck that guy. But I guess they got held up for a few minutes because they had, like, the pilot came off to talk to me. Like, God forbid. And uh, my dad got so mad at that comment that he just started cursing the guy out. 
And he was like, you're not going to fucking make my daughter feel bad for not getting on this plane right now. And he was just, I think he was upset and angry about it in the first place. And then he had someone to direct it at. Yeah. And also, I am my parents' child. So I probably would also get pissed off if someone tried to make my kid feel guilty because they were scared. Yeah. But he um, doesn't control his anger great, so it was kind of a whole thing. And then my mom had to damage control, calm everyone down, go talk to the reception about getting us on a different flight and trying to transfer the tickets and not get charged more for them and stuff. And, like, I didn't know any of that would be the fallout. But this is this is how my anxiety works. So this is these are my feelings about planes. Then we had to get on a different flight like two hours later and she talked to me about it while we ate and sat. And they were definitely upset, but yeah. And then I'm pretty sure she gave me some kind of pill she had in her purse so that I wouldn't panic. Mm -hmm. And we got on. She had me breathe into a paper bag. She was like, you're going to sit with me and we're going to work through this. I had to get on. And I could feel it though, that that tingling I get when when I'm going to panic. Then we went up in the air, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, and then I eventually looked out the window, because then all of a sudden I get daring when things aren't as scary as I think they'll be, and then I was looking at it, and I was like, this is really cool. My mom was like, you fucking asshole. (laughs) I was like, like, yeah, well. And then I was very anxious for the ride back, but I think she just gave me a pill right away, and I was, I like slept through it. But the fucking ear popping. Hmm. I had plugged up ears for like two days at Disney World. I was like, this hurts. Mm. I had to keep chewing gum. I don't know. But yeah, that was rough. So scares the shit out of me. And that's those are the only times I've been on a plane. So just watching him get worked up on this plane. And that's like a several hour flight to go to France. Ugh. This Disney's like two hours. Yeah. So I've never been on a long flight at all. Like the shortest kind that you should go on. Should go on. Hear that, Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. That's not going to be relevant anymore by the time this episode's out. I don't care. They'll get it. Y'all taking jet planes to Starbucks? They're going to build a Sky Starbucks just for the celebrities that take their jets everywhere. Mm. And it'll be a little drive through for, for the little personal airplanes. Mm. Okay. Sorry. That was a long tangent. But a fun fact about me. <laughs> it's not that fun. So yeah. Planes are scary. And that's the scariest part of this movie. And I get really concerned about putting hot liquids and then cold liquids into containers. You see, I didn't know about that, and I shattered a glass when I was young, and that was enough to teach me. Oh, no, I've done that. It wasn't even that big a temperature change, too. I just get anxious. Watching this movie, I'm just like, even more. Reminds me. Anyway, impact, personally and socially. Basically, already touched on that to a good extent. Grew up watching them. Whatever. Four more movies after this one. And apparently novels and comics. Huh. I'd like to read those comics, I think. And I also wanted to talk about the weird thing that they did when they got on the plane at the beginning of the movie where there was a baby crying and the brother that dies right away on the plane, he was like, you have to be a fucked up god. He was like, the younger the better. And then they walk by this like like visibly disabled man and he's like, oh, real fucked up God. And then they show this man, like, f- like getting upset and, like, kind of getting freaked out while the plane is crashing, mm-hmm. too. And I was like, yeah, this is deeply upsetting. And I really don't know why it needed to be included. Yeah. 
Because, like, we all know that bad, fucked up shit happens all the time. Like, I didn't, I didn't need it to hit that note. And so I just wanted to bring up this weird inclusion of just, like, using disability as, like, a punchline for your joke, but also, like, a marker of how fucked up your movie is. Like, yeah, that's fucking weird. Don't do that. Yeah. That's my comment on that. And then I would say, what would you say the themes are? Mortality. Well, that's a good one. And survivor's guilt. Yeah, I did have, like, guilt, grief, and trauma all kind of wrapped up into one. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of all goes together in the end. I said more of, like, fate, which, like, we are all fated to die because we're mortal. So mm-hmm. kind of, like, immortality. But I, specifically with this, with this, we are destined to die in this order Yeah. type of deal. It's just, like, this fate message. I also said wind. There's a lot of wind when death is around. <laughs> a lot yeah. of wind. And, uh, oh, they also go on the clear and Alex talking about intuition and trusting yourself, too. Mm-hmm. Which is why she got off that plane and then why she also kind of sees these visions or catches when he sees them. Mm-hmm. Because I guess she's just more self-aware. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But that was what I gathered. Do you have anything else to say about that? No. Your your impact personally? I guess you did say. Yeah. Okay. Weird. What's what's what would you say, gay? That teacher was a butch lesbian. And you can She was not butch. Okay, no, she wasn't butch. But she was fucking gay. <laughs> There's no way around it. You were just trying to like retcon her with everyone. You were like, she's gonna she's she's in love with that lady. She was in love with her. <laughs> they were going to be together in death. <laughs> And Alex took that away from her. (laughs) I just thought she looked and acted super gay. I did say that the teacher seemed a little gay. Yeah. And I will let you know that Reddick, the original writer of this, and the one who worked on it, was gay. Mm. Openly gay. Mm. So, there you go. Yeah. There you go. You get those gay undertones when someone gay writes it. Which is why I I like that we came to that conclusion that Carter was definitely just, like, having an issue. Yeah. With, like, being in love with Alex. Terry was his beard. And <laughs> she was sick of it. And then she died. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I really have to say about it. The ladies, it's queer. Yeah. I gotta put something a lot gayer on the list next time. What? Like, I feel like the last couple we've done haven't been very gay. Like, I need some overtly gay shit. Haunting of Hill House was the last one that had an actual gay character, I think. No. What? Hush. Hush had a queer character. You can. You decided that, but I did. I bet if we looked well, it up. Okay, fine, but one hundred percent gay in whatever the media is. I think. I think she was one hundred percent queer. Okay, and I'm talking about directly being said. I think it's boring if you have to say it. You don't want to see gay people date. I do want to see gay people date. That's what I'm saying. I know, but I'm saying to ask. I didn't know you were gonna get mad. I'm just saying I'd like to see another one that's, like, very gay. Yes, me too. But I don't think it's fair to say that there, that Hush wasn't queer. It was clearly queer. Who said that? Queerly clear. Who said that it wasn't queer? You said you didn't have any one, any big gay ones besides Haunting of Hill House. That is still true. Two women date in Hill House. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know. Apparently we're fighting. I, two women... I want to watch Jennifer's body. Two women flirt in Hush. We don't have to talk about this. Okay. Yeah. No, it's all gay. (laughs) 
That's the point of the podcast. We find something gay about all of them. But I'd like to watch one where it's very overtly there. Yeah. I'm sure someone would agree with me. But you live your life. Yeah. Who's fuckable? The teacher. That teacher. The teacher. The woman she was in love with on the plane. The blonde woman she was sitting next to. Disagree. Okay. Well, I'm not going to ask you. Billy. No. No, we're not saying (laughs) the teenagers. Oh, well, weren't they? Although they clearly all look like they're 30. they're 30. They clearly all look like they're 30. No, the woman who plays clear, yeah. I thought we weren't doing the teenagers. Well, we then we just agreed that okay. they're all 30 in real oh, life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Her and... Well, that's really it. And she's a full-grown adult in the second one. So, mm. that character, I can at least... There's an older version of her. And the her in Legally Blonde, I had a crush. Yeah. I had a crush. Yeah. So, that's that. Especially when she screamed about stabbing. Wait, she wasn't the one who screamed about it, was she? No, I don't think so. Wasn't she the daughter who stabbed her own dad? I said no. No! (laughs) I said that she was the woman who was accused of stabbing her husband. Ah. She's the one who they're trying to put in jail. Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking The daughter is the actress for Velma in Scooby-Doo. You know, I 100% thought it was Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Jennifer I, Coolidge is I the know nail she's tech. somebody else in it. She's the nail tech. I know. Wow. Have you even ever seen Legally Blonde? In like a decade. Oh my god. I don't know the last time I saw it. That would be slaps though. Anyway, it's not a horror. Sort of the horrors of college age men. Am I right? Up top. Yeah. Ooh, and the professors that teach them. That guy was a creep too. Anyway. Oh, you mean the ones that date their student at the end and everybody pretends that it's fine? No, not that, no, she's not his student, that's right. What the fuck are you, you're talking about a different movie. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna move on from that. Who's your favorite character? Agent Shrek. Okay. It hits nine o'clock and Elsie's just crazy grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite character, I think, was Todd. Okay, yeah, I like Todd. I don't know why. I, I just love the way he talked to his best friend about shitting. Oh, yeah, that was why. <laughs> I was like, we gotta go shit, The man. way he approached him made him my favorite. I also love Billy. The rest of them are boring and stupid. Yeah. Are those your favorite characters as well? My favorite character is Agent Shrek. Oh, yeah. I forgot. The way he just, like, looks at him, he's like, that kid freaks me out. <laughs> what would you do in this scenario? Okay, first of all, as always, wouldn't be in the scenario because I'd be in the group that died in the first place because I'd be too worried about making a scene to leave the plane. Um, but if I did survive, I don't, I don't know because like... You'd probably be Terry. Yeah, like, I'd let's be just Terry. fucking move on and then you get hit by a bus. Yeah. I'm glad you put out of your misery quickly. Yeah. How about you? I would not be getting on a plane to France. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, base, baseline there. I would not be getting on a plane to France. Okay. I don't know how they're affording this. Uh, that would not have been me. If I somehow got on that plane to France, I would not be getting off because I would know how much it cost. And I would be staying there with whoever and I would I would die in the explosion. Mm-hmm. All right. Would you rather die like Todd or like the teacher? Tough one. Tough one. That is a tough one. I think Todd. Oof. Yeah. I get it, but oof. I think it's not as elongated. 
Yeah, because like she was bleeding out for a while before that chair dropped on her. Yeah, and then that's like in the neck, then in the chest, then you burn. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I'm afraid of burning alive, so I think I agree. Yeah. I'd rather get strangled. Yeah. I also feel I could have survived that, potentially. Yeah. Would you rather have shrap metal decapitate you or get yeah. electrocuted, but but then die? Oh, absolutely scrap metal. Are you kidding me? That killed him instantly. My dude never even know he got hit. That's valid. Well, I was going to say the bus, but then that's... Well, I guess that would be harder. Because they're both kind of instantaneous. Yeah, but the scrap metal is still going to be... The scrap metal is going to be the final answer, regardless of what death you throw Really? Yeah, it's the fastest one. I don't want to get hit by a bus. Unless, really. I don't know, neither of them saw it coming. Yeah, but who's to say she died immediately then? I think she did. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, Maybe this... I just feel like that would hurt. Shrap metal. I think getting hit by a bus would hurt. (laughs) I think it would knock you out, and then whatever else happens, you're unconscious for. Okay, but you understand you get knocked out from overwhelming pain or it hitting your head. Similar to how the scrap metal hit his head and then went through it. <laughs> I don't know. Because, like, a bus... But he had a traumatic hit... moment before that as well that I don't want to go through. Yeah. But, like, a bus, it's going to hit some other bones before it hits the thing that kills you. You're no, going to feel those pains before... It would smack my knock and like, conk me out. <laughs> I think okay. it's more dramatic than like that. Would you rather be one of the people that died or have to stay married to Alex your entire life? Who's marrying Alex? I don't know. I just <laughs> I was trying to think of people who lived and which one was more insufferable. <laughs> I'd probably marry Alex. At least he cared to try to keep people alive. I'd be okay with dying. I don't need that over my shoulder. Over your shoulder? Yeah. Oh, living with that trauma? Yeah. Um... I don't know. You it was also the assumption that you would continue to live, but they don't. Exactly. So I guess it doesn't really matter, huh? Yeah. I guess I'd rather just like die unknowingly, randomly on the plane, than have to keep living for a while longer and fighting and then dying anyway. Same. All right. For the recast, Kristen Stewart. No, is that's not on there anymore. Clear. If you would notice, and there is no more recast. You need to give Robert me another Pattinson would you rather. Is Todd, I think. I gave you two would you rathers. You have to give me a second one. Would you rather? I don't know. Would you rather stay cramped up in that cabin that he was staying in or have to go on a date with Agent Not Shrek for a week? Wait, no. Hold on. That sounds like a vacation. For two weeks, you stay up in that cabin or go on a date with that annoying agent. Not Shrek. I would just go on the date. Okay, yeah. I'd stay in the cabin. Oh my god. Okay. You have any favorite lines to shout out? Just the tetanus one. Just the tetanus one? I just wrote about Billy being a himbo because I just think anything he says is stupid and funny. Oh, and then when Tony Todd um, (laughs) or or Bloodworth says uh, something about the Grim Reaper, and they said, and you don't even want to fuck with that, Mac Daddy. Yeah. And we were just like, write it down. Write it down. They really, they really put that one in there. <laughs> and then I like when she tells him to drop dead before getting hit by the bus, Terry. And I also wrote down the tetanus one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, good one. Tetanus. 
good one. As <laughs> like, what? I loved that he was completely ignoring the fucking jagged scythe sticking out from the door. And he was like, this is what was going to get me. This little door. fish hook with that's rusted. That just shows he understands Death's design. Because if it ended up being a kill, it was going to be that little fish hook that killed him. Not the fucking scythe. That's too obvious. You know? Yeah. All right. So, oh, product placement game. I didn't. Did you have some? Uh, so I should have looked. There probably were some in that movie. So I, it wasn't directly, but it brought up something I wanted to talk about. Why were they all drinking Alka Seltzer after the fucking memorial? Every single one of them, it just showed them like dropping. It didn't have the Alka Seltzer like brand anywhere, but it just was like a close up on water and then the drop drop fizz and then like drinking that after the. Maybe they had indigestion from the trauma. Is that what Alka-Seltzer is for? I don't know. Okay. Never had it. I, I think so. I think it's... Yeah, probably. Fuck if I know. That's an interesting uh, observation. Well, I guess that's all there is to say about that. Yeah. For for us today. So, uh, next week, we will be discussing Child's Play. Which I had originally just wrote in as Chucky. Forgetting that that is not what it's called. Fucking scrub. Okay. <laughs> Until then, this has been Queerful Fears with your hosts, Sydney and Elsie. Say goodbye to your fears and hello to your queers. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye, queers. Bye.